You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Well, good morning. It is so good to see everyone. It's also those that are tuning in through Mount Pleasant Anywhere. Good to be with you today. But if you will... In your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 14 through 21 today. And we're going to continue to look at our verses that describe a pride versus humility that is going on here in the city of Corinth, in the church here at Corinth. Uh, but also, as you're turning, we do want to again congratulate all those that have graduated. Uh, everyone, we know it's been a trying time, but, but way to work hard and, and, and those accomplishments that you've uh, been able to accomplish during this time. We just want to congratulate you. But we know that the Apostle Paul had visited Corinth as part of his second missionary journey. Now Corinth was a truly diverse city because of where it was uh, strategically to a, to a trade route that brought a lot of influences from other nations, from the Middle East, from Europe, from East Asia. And so you had these religious influences, these different religious influences. You had these cultural influences that were within this city, but kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? We can say that about the United States. You know, we're very diverse, and there's a lot of those religious influences and cultural influences that, that come at us each and every day that are part of our, our country. But we see here that Paul, as he was in Corinth, that he preached the gospel faithfully, which, of course, was very uh, uh, custom of Paul to do, to stay faithful to the Word. And we know from Acts chapter 18, verse 8, it tells us that many of the Corinthians were saved and they were baptized. And verse 18 tells us that he stayed there. He mentored, he discipled those that had given their life to Jesus Christ. And then we know that after a while he went to Ephesus. And that's where he is right now of, of where he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And that he received a report from Chloe's people. That there were divisions going on. There were jealousies. There was immoral behavior going on in the church. And because of those divisions, because of those outside pressures and influences, there were many that were straying away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, straying away from staying true to God's Word in their lives, and therefore these divisions, jealousies, this immoral behavior is rising up. And we're continuing to talk about pride, arrogance that was rising up in people's hearts and people's lives because of this infighting that was going on. So let's read our verses today. Again, 1 Corinthians Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 21. It says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now that's a bold statement from Paul right there. Verse 17, that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Now he's saying, hey, look, it's on you. It's on you. 
He's written this letter. He's pointed out the sins that are taking place. And now he's saying, I'm coming to visit you. And that's why I kind of twisted the, the, the title a little bit. Not so much pride versus humility part two, but don't make me come over there. But we see Paul's not, he's not just making a threat. He is coming. He says, but as I come, it's up to you. How do you want me to return? And that's where we see in this next verse. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness. You know, Paul begins addressing these different issues in the church, and we saw that a couple of weeks ago, somewhat sarcastically, because he was saying, oh, you're wise in Christ, we're foolish. You're strong, but we're weak. Talking about the apostles, the ones that have been teaching, him, teaching them. And so sarcastically, he's saying, look at you, you're so much greater and better than us. But now he's on his way back to address some of these issues that's going on. But Paul's reminding them, though, that, that the responsibility, yes, it is a great pleasure to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there's a weight, there's a pressure to that at times, especially with the influences around. You know, we, even ourselves sometimes, even today, you know, we, we, we feel the pressure maybe to soften the word to maybe not hit it as hard as it is written, or even to try to change it to meet our cultural influences. But here Paul's saying, look, there's the pressure, but we're going to stay true to it. I'm going to stay true to it, is what Paul's saying. But even in that, he's saying there's a humility that comes with following the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we're pushovers, that we're, we're, we're just stepped on all the time. We're to always just allow people to run all over us. We're not. We're to stand strong upon the truth of the gospel, the truth of his word, and we can, we can combat and see what's coming at us. That's why Jesus said, be as wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. That wisdom he's saying there first comes from God's word, but it's be discerning. Look what's in front of you. Be discerning. Hit it head on, but the innocent of doves, one, you're living a lifestyle that's holy and godly before, before the people, according to God's word. You're to be pure in your life, but you're to be, you're to be gentle in that. Even being forthright at times, you can be somewhat humble and gentle through that. Because what we see here is that the Apostle Paul is being very forthright here with the church at Corinth. In fact, I would call it this. He's giving them a rather good verbal spanking right now. A dress down, if you will, as we say. He, he is hammering them here. He's saying, wake up to your life. Wake up. We, I know. I, I know how you're living now. And I may be coming to you soon to address it. But, but look how Paul addresses this. I love how he says it here in verse 14. Look at verse 14 again. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, of course referring to what we studied a couple weeks ago, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Now think about it, mom and dad. And I'm going to try to be real careful here in how I describe this, and, and hopefully, hopefully it will be articulated properly. But in our discipline... Even as we're growing up, think about maybe how, how we were disciplined. We are not to break the child's spirit, but we're to break or shape the will because for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our tendencies, because of our sinfulness, the, the, you know, we, the tendency to disobey, the tendency to reject authority. So in our discipline, we're, we're taking maybe that, that strong spirit and we're wanting it to be used and shaped more for Jesus Christ, that they will know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
But in that, they see their relationship with God needs to be formed out of obedience, out of, out of love, out of respect for who God is and what He's done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But in that, also with our relationships with people. Are we living in our relationships according to God's Word? Are we being true to it? But as I look at this again, you know, he's talking about not being ashamed, but he's admonishing them as beloved children. But when it comes to sin, there should be some guilt. There should be some shame. You know, Jesus Christ said it himself. Just take Jesus' words. Right before he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, right after that Last Supper with the disciples, he's describing that he needed to go away. But there was a comforter coming. And who was that comforter? is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And how did he describe what the, the, the Holy Spirit would be doing? Yes, he'd be the comforter, but one, he'd be convicting of sin and convicting of righteousness. So when we sin, if we profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we sin, that Holy Spirit that indwells us through our repentance, there should be a conviction of that sin. Do we, do we feel conviction when we sin? And then do we take it before God and say, God, forgive me, forgive me. I repent of that. And we turn, we turn from that sin and allow God to get that out of our lives. Because you look at it, we'll get to it here in a few months probably, but 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says this. Just look at the screens. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. See, that godly grief is described, it is defined as a mourning. Like if you, if you lose a, a, a loved one, you have that hurt, you have that pain. And this godly grief is understanding that your sin is against God. And you want to repent of it and turn from it in our life. It is a sorrow that brings a pain, again, realizing that it is against a holy God. And that's what the Apostle Paul is, is again, showing this church in Corinth, that their sin is, yes, it's being shown before the world there in their town, but ultimately it is against God, and they need to turn from their sin. So there should be at least some guilt because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to have us turn and change from our sin. But I mentioned it earlier, but with discipline, it, it is done with love. It should be administered out of love. And we see in verse 14 how Paul says, I'm admonishing you. I'm warning you. He says, I'm disciplining you as my beloved children. Now the word beloved there is agapetos in the, in the Greek, agapetos. And you can figure it out from there, from, from the, the Greek words that, that, that we have for love, phileo, agape, which is unconditional love, the, the, the love we use, how God loves us. And so Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth, look, I'm doing this because of my love for you. That I have this deep, deep love, unconditional love, that I don't want to see you to keep sinning, to keep going down this path. One, it questions then their, their actual salvation. But two, their lifestyle, what it's doing for the name of Christ. You realize that when we sin and people know that we're professing Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that, that it does reflect on Christ and who He is and who He is. 
But he's saying this. He says, look, I'm doing this because I love you. How many times have we said that to our, our children? How many times maybe that was said to you as you were growing up? I can remember it. We've said, if I didn't care, I would just let you act however you want to. Why do you keep getting on me for that? Well, if I didn't care, I wouldn't keep reminding you that it's wrong. You need to change that. I heard that a lot <laughs> growing up. But we see that that is Paul out of complete love and concern for the people in Corinth. But Paul describes why he has that love, why he has that affection for them, that deep concern. So look at these verses in, in 15 through 17. We're going to read those. He's talked about that he's admonishing them as beloved children, but here's why. This, what, this is what brought on the love for them. He says, For though you have countless gods in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. Well, what was going on here in Corinth again? As we look back, we see there are divisions happening within the church. If we go back to what we learned a couple weeks ago, that there were people within the church saying, I follow Paul. Some were saying, I follow Apollos. Some said, I follow Cephas. Even some were saying, well, I follow Christ. And what they were doing, they were creating these divisions, these cliques. And with that, they were getting puffed up and arrogant considering themselves better than the other because of who they were following and, and creating that division and pitting uh, these men together. But we see that the Apostle Paul was not going to have anything to do with that. Because we can look at, again, back in chapter 3 when he's talking about the sharing of the gospel. We remember what I've mentioned earlier from Acts chapter 18. Paul comes into Corinth. He preaches the gospel. Many get saved. So he's planted this church. And so he's sharing the gospel, and he's building that foundation. But in chapter 3, he says, look, I, I, I've planted the seed of the gospel. Yes, many got saved, but others, they were probably thinking about it. They were, you know, God was working in their heart. And so as he planted that seed, it says, Apollos came and watered, but God gets the increase. Co-laborers for the gospel. And that's us. That's us as believers. We are co-laborers for the gospel. And we go share the gospel. Some of us plant seeds. Someone may come behind us and, and, and they get to share the gospel to someone maybe we shared the gospel with years ago. I have an example of that in my life when I work for Lowe's. I, I, I play a little bit of golf. Not very well, but I play a little bit. But when I was at Lowe's, I played a lot. And I went with one of my friends, and for 18 holes, we talked about the Lord. He was lost, and he never, he never gave his life to the Lord. But I left Lowe's, I, I, don't, I can't remember how long ago now, 10, 12 years maybe, and I saw one of the guys I used to work with uh, about three years ago, and he saw that friend of ours up in Mount Airy. I hadn't talked to the gentleman in several years. He saw him in Mount Airy, and he said, Hey, first, first sentence out of his mouth, Hey, tell Dale I got saved. And that man passed away last year. <laughs> but he knew the Lord Jesus as his Lord and Savior and is evident with his life. So you see, I planted the seed, as many of you have. But someone comes behind and waters and gets to share the gospel again and then that is to fruition 
and God gets the increase. We're co-laborers sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we also see as we read through those verses that there was countless guides in Christ. Countless guides in Christ. So we have to, again, surmise we can get this, and I don't think I'm adding to Scripture here, but when Paul went and planted a church, he appointed elders. He stayed. He brought men up to be able to teach and lead these churches as he went back on his missionary journey. So there were other teachers there, but also remember all the influences that are coming in from the culture and from the other the religious probably faced during that time. So he's saying there's a lot of voices out there that you're listening to just like us. There are many voices out there through the internet, through social media, through our school systems, at our workplaces that are trying to shape our, our views, our young people, trying to shape their worldview. Even us today, look, it's coming at us, us older people, it's coming at us just as fast now. Is it creation? Is it evolution? Is it a baby? Not a baby. Is there a truth to sexuality? Is there a truth that leads to salvation? Is there eternity? Or is this just it? And those voices are coming at them and they're trying to, trying to weigh that through. But, but what they're doing as we see what's happening, they're leaving the truth. Remember, Jesus said as he was praying in John chapter 17 to the Father again as he's, as he's heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's saying, Father, as he's talking about his disciples, he says, he says, he says bring them in one. He said, bring them under your truth. And he said, for your word is truth. We have the truth in Scripture about everything for all time, for every one of us, about life and about eternal life. And so these voices can create great issues within the church, the little c, us as a congregant, and also the big c, the church across the world that, that, that we'll even begin to see specifically even more of these immoral behaviors from what's going on in the church of Corinth. But Paul is explaining here that he is a father, a spiritual father. He's using this analogy that because of him sharing the gospel and them getting saved, that he, he was showing this accountability, this, this concern, this love for them. And so he's using this analogy of a spiritual father. And even, even as, as a father, we, 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 we have that, that desire and, and to, to lead our children. That we have that love and concern for them. And so he's using this analogy to show us how much he loved them and that he wants them to grow deep in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants them to be obedient to that truth. And see, he's not being arrogant here, since we're talking about pride and arrogance, he's not saying, oh, I'm your father. All those other guys are nothing. I'm your father. I can't plan to this church. No, look what he says again in verse 15. He says, though you, you do not have many fathers, he's talking about through the gospel, because he says this, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He's not taking credit other than being obedient to the truth of the gospel, to, to, to the word of God. He's saying that's the only way because this is what you need to follow and you're straying from it. So as we think about this, I've kind of driven this point home, but I'm going to do it again about how, becomes one, well, how does one become a spiritual father or spiritual mother for that matter because many ladies share the gospel also. 
and it is through sharing of the gospel. So therefore, with this metaphorical description, if you will, all Christians should be able to become a spiritual father or spiritual mother to someone. You know, think about it. As, 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 a, as a father, we are to, we produce children. And so we see here as God has given us this privilege of sharing the gospel, then we should produce spiritual children, people coming to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So let's look at this. Look at the screen at these verses. What has Jesus commanded us to do? And you look at Matthew 28. What's that called? We know that as the Great Commission. And we're to go to make disciples. Acts 1.8 says we're to be his witnesses. And these next verses, I can't wait till we get to these because these are some of my favorite, uh, this f a favorite portion of scripture, scripture. But 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, we are to be his ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. And we have this ministry of reconciliation. Well, what's that ministry of reconciliation? We're separated from God in our sin. And as I was studying, I was really impressed to do this. Now, some of y'all may remember this. We did this on a Wednesday night where some of our missionaries from App came down to show us this. But this is called the Three Circles. I really felt impressed to go through this to share the gospel using this. Because some of you may say, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, first of all, if you're saved and know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, just tell them what happened to you. You can share the gospel. If you're saved, you have the testimony. You know what Christ has done in your life. Share that. But here, this, this has been a wonderful... Pastor Kevin and I used this in the Philippines one time, and, and Clara, after the, his daughter Clara, after the first service, came back to me. She goes, yeah, I remember y'all using that. Remember you had me and Candace hold it. And so, so they were holding it. Claire and Candace were holding it. And they're standing there holding this up. And their arms start shaking. Because this is actually pretty heavy. And of course, Pastor Kevin and I, we're oblivious to it. We think Claire and Candace, they can handle it. But then some of the guys from the Philippine church uh, noticed it. And they came up and took it out of their hands and held it for themselves. But Claire wanted to point that out. I apologized again to her. But this is the three circles. And it's a great way to share the gospel. So I've just met you for the first time, so I just want to say, can, can I share the gospel? We, we've had a little conversation. I said, you know what? I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you mind if I share the gospel with you? Nah, nah I don't need any of that stuff. Okay. Can, can, do you mind? I really want to share the gospel. I don't believe in God. Okay, okay. Can I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you? Look, I don't believe the Bible. Okay, well, can I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you? See, it's immaterial what they're saying. Try. Put it out there. You're concerned for their souls. All right, go ahead. Okay, well, great. Did you know in Genesis 1, it talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He created it perfectly, and He loved His creation so much that each day as He created something, He said, it is good. It is good. And what I love is that He created us. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 25 through 27, it says He created us in our image, or He cre created us in His image. We have a soul. We have a spirit that lives forever. That's why I want to share this with you today. You're going to live for eternity. And the Bible tells us it's going to be one or two places, either in heaven or in hell. And see, God created Adam and Eve, and He put them in this garden. He loved them so much. It says that He came and walked with them in the cool of the day. He had a relationship with them. 
But he wanted to know that, that they loved him just as much as he loved, loved them. And, and so he, he gave them a command. He gave them something to see if they would be obedient, if they'd be willing to follow him. And he told them not to eat of a certain tree in that garden, tree of knowledge of good and evil. But we know that they disobeyed. And when they disobeyed, that brought sin into the world, sin and destruction. Are we seeing destruction, evil, wickedness in the world today? Yeah, we are. You know why? Sin. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me. We have, we have sinned. We're separated from God because of our sin. And what that's done, that's brought us into a life of brokenness. And we try to fill that life with pleasure, fame, money. Pleasure, fame, money. Pleasure, fame, money. And I said it that way because, see, we get a little joy maybe for a second and, and, and we, we think, oh, wow, this has really made me happy. And then we get quiet. Then we get back into the mundane. We get back into our life. And then that emptiness comes back. That hurt comes back. That brokenness comes back. And we're just in and out, in and out. But see, God sees that. He knows that's what sin has done to us. And so he loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take our sin. The Bible tells us that he took our sin upon his body and he died for us. That God wanted us to be able to be redeemed back to him. So he poured his wrath for, for again, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 6, 23 tells us, for the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Jesus. God knew we would be eternally separated from him if he didn't do anything. And it shows his love. He sent Christ, and, and, and Christ died for us, but he didn't, he didn't just die. He just didn't go to a grave. We know that three days later he rose again, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he said that if we will confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. 1 John 1, 9. So it means if we will turn, if we will, we will believe what Christ has done for us, if we will repent, repent. Jesus himself said that first sermon. He said, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So if we repent of our sins then we, and accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then we are restored back with that relationship with God. See all these little things that's kind of like the guy, woo, you know. I'm restored, I'm saying, because I've repented and given my life to the Lord. But I told Pastor Kevin the other day, and I hope this doesn't offend our missionaries in app, but there needs to be a fourth circle in my mind. There's no warning. There's no real warning. Because it's almost like when we get to this point, okay, that was good, yeah. But see, there's a warning. If you don't repent and believe, there's a fourth circle. It's eternal hell. Not because God wants you to be there. Remember what we learned last week, 2 Peter 3, 9, that God's slowness isn't slack how we think of it, but it's to fulfill His promise that He wants all to repent and come to know Him. And so we see this, that we can have eternal life through Christ, but if we continue to reject and reject and reject, we give God no choice but to give us hell. It's not his desire. He wants us restored. So think about it. When we share that gospel, we can become spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers as we share the gospel with other people. And that's what Paul is, is showing here in, in his life and showing to the church in Corinth. 
But we hear, we hear from statistics that majority of Christians don't share the gospel. And some of it is, I don't know how. Right there. If you're saved, you have a testimony. You know how. You can do it. I encourage you. I encourage you. Seek someone out and share the gospel. Share the gospel with someone. But use His Word. Use His Word. Put Scripture to memory and use His Word for it is power. It is His Word that is power that would bring someone to salvation. You know, again, we're speaking about why Paul feels this love in calling himself a spiritual father. Well, I want to do a little survey, so I talked to a few people about that. You know, that, you know, you've led someone to Christ. I've talked to, I talked to three or four people. And I said, what's your relationship with them? And they kind of thought about it for a second. They said, you know, I kind of have this, there's this connection and as I explained this verse, they said, yeah, that's what I feel. I feel that I'm somewhat accountable for them. And I want to see them grow in their faith. And that's what Paul's showing here with this description of being a father. But see, just, just being a spiritual father, though, goes beyond just sharing the gospel. It's living it also. And that's where we see in these verses again as he's talking about Timothy. So look at verses 16 and 17 again. He says, I urge you then to be imitators of me. I told you that is a, that is a bold statement for Paul. But that should challenge us. That should motivate us. That should convict us to be living in a way that is worthy of the gospel, just as Paul said even in these verses from Philippians. He said, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let your manner of life be worthy. That's everything we think, say, and do. You know, we have the Good News Club over here at Mount Pleasant, and that's how we, we describe sin to these children. We say, anything you say, think, or do, we do our little hands like that, or do against God's Word is sin. And you need to recognize that. And so here, this is what it means by a manner life of worthy, being worthy of the gospel of Christ. See, but as we saw in verses 16 and 17, though, God, uh, Paul is saying again about being imitators of himself. And what he's saying here is he sent Timothy. See, Paul could have come on back, but instead he sends Timothy. So with Timothy, what you're getting is you're getting a live, living example of what Paul does everywhere he goes in planting these churches. And Timothy is an example of that because we know Timothy traveled with him on his missionary journeys. We know Timothy. He put Timothy in Ephesus for a while. And, and what, what a messed up church that was while Timothy was there. And he was having try to lead that church. And so he sends Timothy to Corinth. And so he is an example. But not only is Timothy's life an example of Paul, but then he can give testimony to Paul's life if they're asked. And that brings us to the question back to verse 16. He says, I urge you then be imitators of me. How many of us would put our life out there like that? Can we say don't just listen to what I'm saying. 
but do what I'm doing because I'm doing this in Christ. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying this in, in his life. He says, I proclaim the gospel. He says, I disciple all those that are before me, and if necessary, I'll admonish those that are not being obedient because they are shaming the name of Jesus Christ. But he says again, because I love Jesus and because I love you, I'm writing this letter back to you. And now I'm sending Timothy as an example. And that's how each of us, each of us should look, look at our lives when you think about it. You know, I've got to think about it as, as one of your pastors. Can I act and say one thing today, but then act differently Monday through Saturday? But that goes for every one of us, whether we're, we're up here on this, on this uh, stage area or platform, whether you're in a chair, whether you're in the back. How's my life Monday through Saturday? Is it just the, the grinny and the smiley on Sundays? that we're saying we're following Christ, or does Monday through Saturday, that's where the rubber meets the road, is when we're out in the world. Are we living for Him? And that's what's going on here in Corinth. Corinth. That brings us to that point that, that Paul is saying, don't make me come over there. But really, we just read, he's, he's on his way. He's coming. So look at verses 18 through 21 again. Because now he's bringing to point, he's bringing to the main point of why he's coming. And he's on his way. But verse 18 says this, says, Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Again, he's laying it out there. He says, it's up to you now. It's up to you. you you've, you've, you've heard this letter read. I've pointed out your life. You know it's true. Well, how do you want me to come? What do you want to happen next? He says, shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? And this is where, where pride, arrogance, we, we, we see it and, and, and the evidences of it. Because now he's talking about how, how they're talking. And you think about it. Think about maybe when you were younger. Maybe even now, I don't know. But I can remember sometimes us guys getting together in high school and we had a little, little spat with someone and they say, yeah, let him come over here and say that to my face. Yeah, yeah. He won't say that once he gets in front of me. See, that's what they're saying. They're saying, yeah, let Paul come say that to my face. Oh, I read the letter, let him come tell me that. Well, he said, I'm on my way. Paul's coming. He's coming to address the situation. And he's talking about, he's going to see, are they talk? Are they all talk? Because in their sinfulness, that is all they are. Because they, if their lifestyles are as we're going to see over these next few Sundays, that we see that their, their, their faith in the Lord Jesus was just talk. It wasn't evident in their lives. And so Paul is on his way to, to talk to them and address that. Because he's talking about here the kingdom of God, that, it's, that it comes in power, not just in word. See, we can talk a lot. We can say we're Christian. We can say we're followers of Jesus Christ. But there's evidence in life. There's evidence in, in how we live our life outside of these four walls. 
And so he's coming to address that issue once again. And this kingdom of God he's talking about is not heaven, but it's, it's us. It's us. We make up the kingdom of God here on earth as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because again, back to those verses from Matthew, Acts, and 2 Corinthians 5. Yeah, we've, get, we've got saved, but now he's given us this wonderful opportunity, this wonderful privilege of sharing the gospel and showing Christ. And he's talking about it's with power. Again, when we're saved, who indwells us? Who indwells us? The Holy Spirit. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us as we learn from James to fight off the temptations, as we'll learn from Corinthians that there's no temptation that, that has not come upon you, that is not common to man, but He's given you an escape to, to get out of the temptation. And it's being faithful to the Word. And again, that's what Paul's addressing. He said, you are straying from the truth of God's Word. And so I am on their way. I am on my way. But as we see here, there's an opportunity for repentance. To the, the letters there, it's been read. And see, that's the beauty of the gospel right now as we share it. Because I think we forget, we live our life and we live it like it's just day after day. We say we're living for Christ, we say we're following Him, but there's, there's something we're missing. See, Christ said He's coming back. In Acts 1.8, again, about how we were to be His witnesses. You know, the angels that came as the disciples were looking up said, why are you looking up? He who just went is going to come back in like manner. Christ said He's coming back. And I was reminded of Revelation, Revelation 19, that yes, Jesus came. You know, thinking about as Paul saying, don't make me come over there. See, God is looking down. He's looking down right now. And He's not saying, don't make me come down there. He's saying, I did come down there. I saw your brokenness. I saw your need of salvation. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, all in love and tenderness. Yes, frustrated with the religious elite. He would chastise them. He would admonish them. Remember, He would say that they would worship Him with their lips, but their heart was far from them. That's what He's pointing out here also. Is that any of us? Or, 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 are we worshiping with our, our lips? Are we worshiping with Him just by walking in these doors or in our hearts far away? Or are we worshiping in a lifestyle that is worthy of the gospel? So Christ came in love and tenderness to die in His glory and in His power on a cross for each and every one of us. And He was buried, but in the power of the Holy Spirit rose again in His life, sitting at the right hand of the Father. But see, He's coming back. Revelation 19 says this, though, when He comes back, He is going to rule with a rod of iron. See, this rod that the Apostle Paul's talking about in this verse, my mind went back to that, that, that verse in Proverbs where it talks about not sparing the rod. And we know that the Hebrew word there is Shabbat, and it's like a little switch. That's not the same word. This is rod. This is like a shepherd's staff. This is like, 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 like Aaron's staff, Moses' brother, that he's coming back. If you do not repent, because sometimes when you don't repent, when there's no repentance, then, then the consequences are harsh. The, the, the discipline, the judgment is harsh. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Look, church, if you don't repent of your sins, when I come, it is going to be harsh. It is not looking good for you. But see, again, there's that chance. If you repent, then we can come back and I can rejoice with you. 
and we can build that relationship back, and that's Christ. If you repent today and give your life to Christ, anyone may be watching today that you do not know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If you repent and give your life to Christ, that separation that sin gives us from God can be restored, and then that peace, that joy, that true joy can come to us. But if you refuse, then when Christ comes back, that rod of iron that He rules is for you. And you're separated for all of eternity. So as we see this and we look at these verses, yeah, it seems harsh, but look what Paul's doing. It's love. It's love. And that's God. That's God for His love for us is so great that He'd send His Son. So I pray that, that, that if you're not sharing the gospel, that you will go out, seek to share the gospel. If you're not saved today, I pray that today what, what's been said, what's been shown, that, that God's Word, God's Word spoke to your heart, that you repent and give your life to Christ. And let your relationship with Him be restored. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.